I was younger, I worked as a ranger in a Georgia park. Most of my nights were spent instructing people not to leave out offerings for bears and other animals. But every now and again, I got a call about rowdy teens or even rowdier adults. It was a thankless job, but dealing with the public often was. One night, as I leaned back in my chair, trying to stay awake by listening to a podcast, the phone rang. Normally, I relished the action. The night shift was miserable without it. But it was freezing cold outside tonight, and I had no registered campers. The last thing I wanted to do was leave the central heating of my post to go and hunt down a group of kids that ran off to make out in the woods. Frustrated before I had the chance to say hello, I brought the phone to my ear, waiting for somebody to say something. However, no matter how I called out to the other person, there was only heavy breathing in response. Nothing like a good old-fashioned prank call to make me hate youth just a bit more than I already did. I hung up, resuming my podcast, content to doze off until morning. But the prank caller had other plans. They called four times, only ever breathing heavier into the receiver. By the fifth call, my patience was at its end. I answered with a sharp, what? Only to have it steamrolled by crying and begging, a muddled voice that was nearly indecipherable. I don't remember how long I spent trying to calm her down before she finally choked something out. By the river, please help. The line went dead, because why wouldn't it have? And then nobody else called. All efforts to call her back were met with the telltale ring of a busy phone line. But, by the river was too vague. The river stretched through most of the park. It would take hours to comb the area on my own. But when I realized it was my line that was cut, I had no other choice. I grabbed my shotgun off the wall, hoping almost desperately that it was just a bear taking a break from hibernation to hassle a woman for her peanut butter sandwich and not another psychopath. Hello, is anybody out there? I stood on the doorstep with my ear to the wind, hoping to get some kind of clue for what direction to head off into. I was met with silence. I heaved a sigh of defeat and chose a direction at random. When I found her, I swore I'd give her a good old piece of my mind. And not only was it freezing, but the trails were pretty clear about not getting near the river. They were endless, deadly combinations lurking within their depths. And some said the danger did not solely lie beneath the water. Some said that the grey woman walked along the banks, crying out for help in an effort to lead compassionate bystanders into the water. A story I didn't necessarily believe, but it was entertaining nevertheless. The stories my co-workers came up with never ceased to tickle me. I was about 30 minutes away from the ranger station when I stepped on something squelching beneath my boots. It was hard to make out in the darkness, but as I knelt down before the mass, I realized exactly what I was dealing with. Someone's wet clothes sat in a heap, discarded in a hurry in an effort to warm up after falling in. And the ice was rarely thick enough to bounce an acorn off, let alone pretend to be capable of holding a human's weight. So, I can only wonder how anybody could have gotten so soaked. Even if they'd slid down the bank, there was no way they'd been submerged the way these garments suggested. I was about to start searching for blood trails when a voice came from the trees. It was nothing more than a hiss, but it sent my heart into overdrive. My first instinct was to haul it back to where I came from, 
to leave the whispers behind once and for all. But the shotgun in my hand was more than capable of turning a human into Swiss cheese, so I pushed forward. I called into the trees, demanding that the person hiding amongst the leafless branches come out with their hands up. When nothing happened, I called again, this time warning them that I'd shoot if they did not say something. Stop screaming. She'll hear. The voice from the trees didn't seem to understand the concept of packing heat. I could only wonder if she was in the throes of a psychotic break, and there was nothing else out there after all. Yet, she was huddled amongst the vegetation, whimpering about some mysterious she. I was moments from threatening her with the cops when I heard the same voice from over the phone. It was just as hysterical as it had been, just as watery and hard to understand. If not for the icy hand on my wrist, I'd have followed the voice of the person I'd originally gone searching for. It was my job to help those in need on the trail, and I had no reason to hesitate. But the woman's hold was unbreakable in that moment, and her hissed warning to stay still made me think twice. I tried to help her, the woman told me. Her face was a breath away from my own, but she was as cold as the rocks along the river's edge. The heat that radiated from living beings was completely missing in her. But my attention went elsewhere as the voice called for help again. And if you don't want to end up like me, you'll go back the way you came. I had no idea what to account for. I could only assume this was the poltergeist of a woman who had passed. My mind raced with possibilities, each one more unsettling than the last. I had no intention of becoming a ghostly apparition haunting the park, trapped in eternal torment. With a mix of fear and determination, I made the difficult decision to heed the warning. I turned on my heels, retracing my steps through the treacherous trails. The whispers and eerie voices that had accompanied me throughout the night seemed to fade away, as if the park itself was releasing me from its clutches. As I reached the ranger station, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief wash over me. I may not have found the woman who called for help, but I had survived the encounter with whatever haunted those woods, and that was enough for now. Days turned into weeks, and the incident became a haunting memory. I continued my duties as a park ranger, but with a newfound respect for the unknown that lurked within the wilderness. I often wondered about the mysterious caller, the woman by the river, and the voice that warned me to turn back. Was it all a figment of my imagination, a manifestation of the park's dark history? Or was there something truly sinister dwelling within its depths? Regardless, I knew one thing for certain. The park held secrets that were best left undisturbed. And as I patrolled the fog-laden trails, I couldn't help but feel a shiver down my spine, a reminder that some mysteries were meant to remain unsolved. So I'm going to tell you the story of my brief encounter with a man called Happy. I hope it's okay with the mods that I use the name that he gave me Happy. I'm sure it wasn't his real birth name, but it adds to the creepy ambience of the story. Even though it happened around nine years ago, sometimes he still crosses my mind, especially on gloomy overcast days in lay, just like the day I met Happy. 2013, I'm working at a cannabis dispensary in Venice Beach, a block from the boardwalk. A good 35% of our patrons were unhoused people, 
Occasionally, someone experiencing severe psychosis would try to come in, but if they were screaming or unintelligible security would not let them in. If they had and presented the holy trinity of medical papers, ID and cash, they were good to go. We had a compassion program where we'd bag up grams of shake left over from bottoms of jars and give them completely free, one per person per day, to anyone who asked. Word about this spread quickly on the boardwalk. Generally these people would be the nicest, most polite and considerate customers, even if they did smell a bit stinky and their money got pulled out of a sweaty sock. No one working there would bat an eye if someone came in smelling like they'd slept on the beach for a week next to a bottle of vodka, as long as they just calmly buy their weed and be on their way like any other customer. It's a foggy chilly day around the holidays, sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Someone called out so I was the only person in the back bud tending. There was another employee at reception and the security guard at the front door. I'm alone in the back room. There are cameras but no one is actively watching them. This guy walks in after being checked in at the front. He's the only customer ATM and I swear the whole room gets colder as he walks in. He is wearing a very worn in, deeply faded, wrinkled, conformed to his body floor-length leather duster jacket like this, and a similarly beaten-up wide-brimmed leather cowboy hat. It looked like he'd lived and slept in these same clothes for years. We did not allow hats, hoods, or sunglasses in the store, so I'm surprised that security didn't make him take off his hat. This man is at least six foot five, and built like a boulder, not obese kind of large, pick you up and toss you like a rag doll large. The stench that comes with him is unlike anything I've ever smelt before or since. It was beyond B.O. beyond piss or shit, it smelled like actual death, as if he had raw rotting carcasses tucked under his thick, long leather coat. I thought I had been hardened by plenty of nasty body stank before, but this was absolutely revolting far beyond anyone who hadn't showered lately or pissed their pants. I'm trying not to inhale very deeply, and I say, Hi sir, excuse me I'm sorry, would you mind taking off your hat? Just store policy. Big customer service smile. What are you looking for today? He grunts deeply, he is walking very slow, shuffling and dragging his feet. His voice sounds like he gargles with gravel, rough and wet, raw and angry. I don't take off my hat. At this point I'm not trying to argue with this man about his hat either, let's get him in and out. I glance down and see he is not wearing shoes, the bit I can see from under his coat. One of his ankles is massively purple-black and swollen, melon-sized. The bottoms of both his feet are bloody and tore up. I realize he is leaving a slight trail of blood as he drags his ragged feet across the concrete floor of the shop. My first thought is how and why the F did security let this guy come in. Second is this guy's is obviously seriously injured and that is concerning as a human being. I'm making sure to keep the display shelf between me and this guy, but that's only about a foot of space like a bar. He gets to me and the stench gets stronger. I meekly but sincerely ask, are you alright sir? His eyes flare at me, why do you care? And I'm like whelp I tried not my chair not my problem, not my monkeys not my circus. Great, what can I get for you? He pulls up one of his sleeves to expose his forearm, 
It is covered in large round burns like from a cigar, some old, healed, and some fresh, pussy and infected. It's not track marks, it's burns. He also has a jagged homemade looking stick and poke tattoo of a smiley face, a crooked circle, two lines for the eyes, and scabbed up curve of a smile. He points at this tattoo, happy. My name is happy. The rotting stink was so strong and I needed to breathe little gasps, the least possible. I walked here, I walked all the way here from Pasadena. I'm like wow sir that's a very long walk, anyway what are you looking for today? Just for you. His eyes are dark and menacing, he is smeared with a layer of grime, like he lives in the woods dirty. He doesn't look like the average crust punk or disabled veteran you generally see living on the beach. It was hard to guess his age, but he wasn't that old or young, somewhere between 30-50. He looked like he'd dragged himself here from his log cabin, like what would happen if you entangled some quantum mechanics poorly and mixed Ed Jane within 1-800's homesteader, then transported him to 2013 Venice Beach. I of course have never seen this man before, once was more than enough to make him unforgettable. He keeps staring at me and I move as far back as I can to the wall, hopefully out of his grasp if he lunged. I would need to walk out from behind the case and around him to get the security guard. I'm weighing my options haha bad pun intended I decide to grab a bunch of compassion grams and then weigh out and one eight and mark it down that I'd pay for it later, and he's still just leering at me, wheezing heavy stinking breaths. We actually have a special today only for people who walked more than 10 miles to get here. This is all for you on the house. Thank you for stopping by. He accepts the bag, but continues to just stand there and stare at me. Thank you, Happy. It worked. He grunts a guttural noise that is not a word, and slowly turns to shuffle back towards the door. At the door he turns back towards me and says, I'll see you later. He finally walks out after, leaving plenty of his residual stench of death behind. Thank any and all of the gods, I did not see Happy later, or ever again. When I asked security why the F did they let him in, he said that when he had noticed his bloody feet and said, Hey bro you all good. That looks like it hurts. Happy had stepped up in his face and threatened to, choke you out, stupid n-word. And since it was just him and two 22-year-old, 130-pound girls, he wasn't trying to die tonight and figured hopefully Happy could just get his stuff and leave. He was watching the cameras in the back ready to call police and owners if anything got weird. Apparently we had different definitions of weird, but I understood his reaction and ultimately were all fine, just spooked and creeped out. And now needing to clean blood off the floor with bleach and gloves and texting our boss that he owed us free weed about it. He agreed, and we all lived happily ever after. For the past three days I've been hearing something screaming help me. Help me. Arg help me. On and off. Everything started the night after my fiancé saw something unexplainably creepy at the skate park near the woods while walking the dogs. We were walking our two dogs and we planned to go down to the skate park to train the dogs some more in agility. The park is small only consisting of about three medium ramps and one that barely reaches mid-shin on myself. 
The skate park is down in a sort of valley, and we have to go down some steps to get to it, and is surrounded by woods on all sides. As I was about to suggest going down I noticed my fiancé stood still staring into the skate park, while mid-panic attack and the dogs were in front of them staring on and off with the smaller one fixated and pulling. They said, someone's down there. But when I went to look I didn't see anyone or anything down there, and it was dead quiet. No there isn't, I looked and I can't see anyone. No seriously there are people down there, looks like a cult or something. They said half joking and half panicked. We need to go home. I was confused and thought it was their mind playing tricks because it was dark and still wanted to go down like something was inviting me that's what it felt like in hindsight. In the moment something was making me feel annoyed and frustrated at not being able to go down there. No come on there's no one down there it's okay we can go and run with the dogs. No no I want to go home. Seriously please can we just go home. They mentioned they heard a scream coming from the woods but again I heard nothing. And the second time they heard it they turned and walked off quickly and I followed. For the rest of the night they were really uneasy to the point I was worried for them. They were drawing what they saw trying to make sense of it while struggling to make much sense themselves. Talking about demons, nuns, deer, goat skull-headed man etc. It creeped me the f out and I asked to drop the topic, but I knew something wasn't right. The next day was okay, taking the dogs for a walk the usual amount, feeling better about the whole situation. Then I heard something. The first time I heard it, it was around 3 a.m., and I heard what sounded like a drunk or heavily injured man screaming for help. Nothing specific, just help me, help me. Og help me. And the occasional screaming. It circled our housing complex and got louder near the window right by our bed. I got up to look out of the window and I saw a figure. It looked like a man in a gray tracksuit with his hood up, and he was walking away from us about 200 meters, 300 meters from our window staggering drunk or injured but seemingly unbothered. Still screaming helped me. The thing is the screaming was completely emotionless and uninterested. It stopped shortly after I saw the figure. The second time was around 8 a.m. The next day the same emotionless screaming circling the house that lasted for about five minutes before cutting off mid-scream. I chalked it up to just some drunk kid wanting to scare people or cause a scene. Or perhaps it was someone with mental health issues in an episode. I then heard it a few hours later as I left to walk the dogs coming from the forest that our front door overlooks. Still emotionless in the same words. Help me, help me, Og help me. There were two men by the road fixing up their bikes and people on their balconies smoking, but no one seemed to hear what I was hearing. So I carried on ignoring it. It didn't stop for the 10 minutes I was out there letting the dogs pee and poo, and carried on even as I entered the house. It eventually stopped and some family came to visit, but when I walked out the house to get a drink from the shop, I heard it start up again. It started the second I opened the door and didn't stop even as I was walking down the stairs to the shop, or as I came out of the shop and walked in the house. It carried on for about five minutes after I entered the house again just repeatedly screaming help me help me please and screaming. Now my brain is repeating it like tinnitus the same thing over and over again while my head hurts more and more from the screaming. Help me help me please. 
Og help me. The same order just over and over and over and over and over again. I'm getting a migraine while typing this because the screaming just won't stop and it's getting louder and I don't know what it is or why it's happening or what could be doing it. Years ago me and five other people were drinking in the forest preserve. All but one of us were young men. This spot of preserve was surrounded by busy streets and had a large field with a creek that ran through the middle. The north part had a small patch of trees. They were very dense. If you walked 10 feet in you could not be seen from the street. We would park on residential streets and walk from the south and cross the creek. We felt like where we went into the trees we could see any car or person coming way before they could see us. To the north was a busy intersection, a lot with a restaurant and large store, and a parking lot that is closed after sundown. There is nowhere to easily park to the north, cemetery to the east, and no parking to the west. There are some houses to the northeast and northwest. We are in the woods, drinking and being loud. The road noise covered us very well. At some point one of us stops and is staring to the north. He whispers someone is there. All I can see is the silhouette of legs through the trees. Someone walked through the whole patch of trees from the north to us, maybe 10 feet into the woods on the south end of the trees. They are standing maybe 15 to 20 feet away. We didn't hear anything, someone saw the silhouette when headlights hit the woods for a second. We are standing there all of us quiet. The person is not moving, they are standing still in the trees. Fallen trees are blocking most of them, but I can still see legs. We start to argue whether or not it's even a person. Finally my friend shouts, hello to the person. Not a sound or move. He starts to take a step and asks, do you know what time it is? The person finally moves. I can see them walking back to the north, slowly and quietly. They don't say a word, and very quickly we can no longer see them. We ran out of the woods and regrouped on the tree line to the south. We ended up finishing our beers and left an hour later. We did not go back into the woods that night. We never saw a car leave the lot or side street. I always figured they had to have walked from somewhere not near the woods. I also wondered what they were doing that six people didn't scare them off. A couple of us are big guys. It was the creepiest thing that has ever happened to me. Last August in 1991, I had an unforgettable experience that still sends shivers down my spine. You see, I own a cozy condo at Smuggler's Cove near Newport, Oregon, nestled amidst the beauty of nature. Little did I know that this serene getaway would become the backdrop for an encounter that defied all logic and reason. It all began when my friend Michael, who also happened to be a park ranger, shared a chilling report with me. He had encountered something truly extraordinary at Smuggler's Cove. Eager to explore the mystery further, I decided to visit the area and witness it for myself. I arrived at my condo, situated near a tranquil lake, accompanied by my sister April, her husband, and their young son. The peacefulness of the surroundings set the stage for an idyllic vacation, or so we thought. One evening, as the sun began to set, we gathered on the balcony, enjoying the breathtaking view of the lake. Suddenly, something caught our attention. 
a figure emerged from the dense foliage on the opposite side of the lake. It was unlike anything we had ever seen before. Towering and robust, this creature appeared to be a Bigfoot. The creature possessed no discernible neck and was covered in long, jet black hair, which swayed with each powerful stride it took. As it walked along the edge of the lake, it seemed to move with an uncanny grace, despite its immense size. The sight was both mesmerizing and terrifying. As we stood there, awestruck, our initial disbelief transformed into a shared sense of awe and bewilderment. It wasn't just my own eyes that witnessed this enigmatic creature. My sister April, her husband, and their son were equally captivated by the sight before us. Time seemed to stand still as we watched the Bigfoot navigate the surroundings with an almost supernatural presence. Its existence defied all rational explanation. We were witnessing a phenomenon that challenged the boundaries of our understanding. Our hearts raced and a mix of fear and fascination gripped us. We exchanged nervous glances, realizing that our lives were forever changed by this encounter. It was a moment that would bind us together in a shared secret, forever etched in our memories. In the days that followed, we tried to make sense of what we had witnessed. I wasn't exactly hunting. I had a nice 94 Camaro and I needed new tire due to being a stupid teenager with a powerful car. I knew where I could get some nice tires, but I had to steal them from a guy that once stole my car and drove it into a lake. We parked across the highway in a clearing in front of a cornfield. We got there we each grabbed a tire and was working on throwing them in the car when we heard like a croaking noise. We looked over and saw something very human-like, but like three foot tall that ran fast as shit out of the corn and into the distance all within about three seconds. We all saw it and no one believes us. We got the tires in the car and got the hell out of there fast. Not exactly spooky, but when I was in boot camp, I was in ship six name of the barracks about three months after they reopened it. It had been closed for about five years prior and was still going through renovations while we were there. Around midnight to four weird shit would happen. It was likely the symptom of sleep deprivation, but you'd always hear footsteps, occasionally see something moving outside the porthole on the door to the open bay, and everyone on the second and third decks swore they saw either a recruit or horse walking around up there. Thing is, some dude did kill himself in that building a couple years before they closed it. Or so I've been told. At my current station though there's a bunch of vampire deer that make it onto base, and last year when I was on nights there was a deer that liked the parking lot outside my building. We have cameras that cover said parking lot, and I once saw that deer looking up at the camera for a minute or two. At first it was spooky to see a deer with fangs look right back at me, but then it got kinda cool and unsettling. This was about five years ago, me, my mom, and my dad were camping at Mary Jane Thurston State Park, just outside Grand Rapids, Ohio. It was around the end of August, the beginning of September, our campsite was in the front part of the campgrounds. 
Leading up to the two separate incidents, we occasionally heard what we thought could have been a bird of some kind screaming or screeching up in the trees, or at least it sounded like it was coming from the top of the trees. We'd hear it almost every night, but in a different location. We'd hear it in the trees behind us one night. Then the next night it would come from the other end of the campgrounds, then the night after we'd hear it from across the road. I've listened to the sounds of different animals including owls to see if that was the noise we heard, but nothing is even close. Occasionally we'd hear what sounded like branches being snapped, but thought nothing of it. I had my own tent, and that detail is somewhat important as it factors into the second incident. First incident. My dad woke up in the middle of the night to what sounded like someone was rummaging through the ice chest, which was sitting between our tents. He said he then heard whoever or whatever it was shut the cooler and walk away. He told me and my mom about it the next day. The odd thing was that nothing was missing from the cooler. Second incident happened the night after the first one. I had a little small TV and my game console in my tent. I was watching a movie when I hear something approach our campsite. Whatever it is went through the cooler again. I could hear the ice moving around as it was rummaging through the cooler. I was as STLLL and as quiet as possible. But whoever or I should say whatever it was knew I was awake because it decided to put its massive hand on the side of my tent and push it in. I was frozen with fear and didn't know what to do. It felt like forever but was only about 20 seconds before it took its hand from my tent and walked away. I didn't even think about looking for tracks the next day. We don't have bears in this part of Ohio, so I definitely know it wasn't a bear. This thing didn't take anything from the ice chest despite going through it twice. I know when it put its hand on my tent and pushed it in a little, I was frozen with fear. We know it wasn't some homeless person or anyone else because there was maybe five campsites that had anyone and they were in the back part of the campground. 